0: So welcome to the first ever episode of the New Future podcast, where we talk with researchers, entrepreneurs, and business leaders aqua- across a wide variety of industries and sectors about what comes next. I'm Kate rain Goldie And I'm Kate Rizdevina. So, because this is our first ever episode, uh, we should probably introduce ourselves, we'll actually introduce each other. So, Kate was uh, previously CFO of one of the biggest tech companies in Australia, which she did in her 20s, so probably one of the youngest CFOs especially of a major tech company. Um, And Kate also has a strong interest in psychology and is super passionate about redesigning the workplace to work for women and children and families.
1: And Kate Rains-Goldie is a futurist, researcher, writer, TEDx speaker, and also a certified facilitator of Lego Series Play uh, which um, is an innovation and creativity tool used um, by major brands worldwide including IKEA, Virgin and Samsung. Now, Kate is also a visionary thinker, and she did her PhD on Facebook and was one of the first in the world to research social media and its impact on culture and society
0: in her 20s. Yay, us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... I think another thing we should also start with is why are we doing this podcast? Why are we doing it now? Um, why, why is this an important thing to be talking about? And we kind of started talking a bit about before we uh, started, started the episode um, about why this is such an important topic, you know, the new future of the, that idea of what comes next. So what do you think, Kate? Why are we doing this now?
1: Well, uh, uh, I'm sure we have both been uh, talking to many, many people uh, about some of the ideas that um, we um, have and we share. Um, And um, we feel that now with this coronavirus happening and everyone, pretty much all the media uh, and all the big thinkers and academics and the CEOs and everyone really. just really taking the time to rethink what what is what what is the world going to look like in the future Mm. um are we just all taking a a short holiday or are we actually going to be living in a completely new world
0: um yeah and you're saying you start you're starting to see kind of a shift in in like the, the the um coverage that you're reading from being kind of like reactionary to proactive and thinking about okay we've gone we've gone through this we're kind of starting to see the end of it what ha- you know what what happens next so we're starting to think about the future and realize that this isn't going when there isn't we're not going to go back to the way it was before
1: yeah just even a short scan of uh, the main media news outlets the consensus um seems to be that we're not just going to go back to the way we were. This is not just a little holiday. Um, things are going to really look differently. And we're talking about everything really, the way we live, the way we work. Um, it has implications really for so many uh, areas of our life. The real estate, the infrastructure, um, education, travel, uh, entertainment, you name an area, it's all affected. Mm, yeah. So we we felt that um, it would be great to actually start talking to the the visionaries, the key leaders in the, in the different areas uh, of life, to see what what their views are on on the big shifts. Mm.
0: Yeah, I like to describe it as um, there's that saying, you know, if you don't like how the table is set, then flip the table. So we flipped the table like uh, consciously or otherwise, you know, I think we've ha- kind of had the table flipped on us. And so it's yeah. like, okay, well, are we going to set the table back the way that it was before? or Are we going to use this opportunity to do something new? And I think people are like, yeah, we need to, you know, around climate change around, and this is some of the stuff that we've talked about about um, changing the the way that like redesigning works so that it works for everybody. um and using this as an opportunity to fix a lot of the things that, um, were broken before. And that feeling of like anything is possible now, you know, there's all of these changes that normally would have taken forever. Um, And I was listening to a podcast last night and they were talking, it was like kind of a branding marketing expert. And the language she used that I thought was so interesting was she said um, people have habit loops. So they have habits, you know, like they go and get the coffee every morning and the way that kind of brands, a lot of brands or a lot of the marketing works is maintaining habit loops around people's purchasing patterns and so just thinking about that more broadly about all of our habit loops have been completely broken and it's usually really hard to change those so it's like now that we've done that it's like we can do you know we've done like the hard thing has happened so it's like creating more positive habit loops for us um yeah so I think so for this episode we're kind of interviewing each other because we've both been thinking and researching and talking in this space um so to kind of contextualize where we're thinking. And then in future episodes, we're actually um, going to be interviewing, yeah, key leaders, key thinkers who are thinking about the new future of work or the new future of presenting leadership, all of the different industries and getting their, their um, perspective on what comes next. So really exciting. Um, so for now, I think the first question uh, we want to talk about um, is, um, and I love this question, this is from, um, from you, Kate, was uh, what is the biggest event that shaped your life?
1: For me, it would definitely have to be the birth of my son. I've got a six-year-old um, son, and um, before I had him, I was, uh, um, I guess, a crazy workaholic, <laughs> and um, it's quite naive, I guess. I thought, oh, I'm not sure what... Um, what all the women are complaining about, not sure what their problem is, I think it's great. There's no glass ceiling, there's no problem. (laughs) It's really easy, actually, to have a fantastic career as long as you work hard. But yeah, the moment I had my son, uh, I realized that, um, wow, there's, yeah, I felt like there's a whole world out there that I had no idea existed. Um, And um, with, um, I guess I was almost forced into, um, learning psychology and neuroscience. I was, um, I guess, just as I put a lot of energy in the past into my work, I've put equally a lot of energy into researching like um, neuroscience and psychology and what do I need to do as a parent to make my baby, to turn my baby into a genius. <laughs> I almost every new parent yeah. has that idea that their baby is going to be the genius baby. So I've done a lot of research into it. And yeah, it's um, quite interesting. But the biggest um, piece seems to be love and attention. Um, that's what feeds a human brain, really, in, in terms of brain development. All the neuroscience, all the research points to exactly that. And um, so then I started thinking, well, this is quite interesting because... Um, um, my work requires me to be at work all the time, whereas if my baby's uh, psychological development and mental health depends on me actually being there a lot and putting a lot of time and into um, helping helping him grow and so on, well, yeah, this is this is a little bit of a contradiction. What what am I supposed to be doing here? And um, yeah, the more I researched it, the more I realized that. Um, Actually, the way the society is designed currently is not really working, I guess. Um, I, I think it works for a for, um, situation where, like, when I was, say, single, it was great. I could just spend all my time, all my energy, put it all into work. But I guess if I were a carer, and I'm not saying necessarily a parent, I, I need to look after elderly parents or um, someone else, um, another, um, a relative, um, things are much harder. It's much harder to have a career in that situation, uh, or to be even a useful member of society, I guess, in the economic sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) I think it's so interesting too, because you, you've homeschooled your son. And so it's like, you've almost been like the early adopter of the way that everybody has to work now with having their son or their, their kids at home. And, but you've done that intentionally because you felt that that's important. Well, like all of the research that you've done, right? So it's kind of like yeah. you've reshaped your whole life and you're, you know, this is something you want to bring in for everybody.
1: Yeah, exactly. I guess, yeah, in my case, um, it was quite, um, easy because of my role and everything to actually, um, uh, to initially to be a working mom and so on, um, my, my son's dad was quite supportive and so on, but really I, I did realize that the workplace in general is not really supportive of our role as carers, really. Um, so yeah, I, I did start thinking, well, we we really need to start making the workplaces much more human, and, and what does this mean in terms of, we obviously want to have a successful economy and to have good businesses, so the workplace, the, the the work processes and the roles, they do need to be optimized. Um, They need need to be designed well, Um, but at the same time, we need to make sure that this, um, this design is also optimized for this role of carers in our society. Um, So that people who do want to look after children, the elderly, uh, relatives, People with disabilities, anything like that, any caring role. The workplace is the way we live, the way we work. It needs to support that. Mm-hmm. That's what makes us humans. That's what made us successful as a, as a civilization. Our caring role, um, the fact that we we were able to work as a uh, as a society, we helped each other. Um, that's what made us progress so rapidly. So think that's kind of the future of work and living the way I see it is it'll be really um, merged especially with all this new technology coming out it's really helping us so I'm really hoping to see technology step in and help us become more human so that we can become caring more caring um, just a better society a kinder better society um, but with the help of that technology
0: And I think, I think, too, like I was listening to a podcast last night, or actually listening to the Canadian, CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, um, and talking about one of the major topics was how all of this stuff with the coronavirus has really exposed how, um, and this is speaking to the Canadian context, but how, and I suspect it's similar in other countries, how under-supported and under-resourced caring is. For especially for the elderly and it's really exposed mm-hmm. how important that is and how we haven't valued that as a society so i think it's like this conversation is now like okay we really need to be thinking rethinking our priorities hmm.
1: yeah i i agree and i i'm a big believer that it, the the solution is i'm not it's not necessarily that the government needs to pay for everything or the business needs to pay for everything or women need to just provide free labor and just do it regardless and just ignore all the negatives i think it needs to be some sort of hybrid combination where where business recognizes that this is a must just like our roles are not say our work is not 24/7 we do have rights for annual leave we have rights for for holiday pay and so on. I mean, work has been designed around some constraints. And I think this is an important constraint as well to incorporate into mm. the, the design of work and workplaces and and um, and everything else. And so there's a role to be played by everyone, really, the businesses, the government and us as individuals to come up with some new innovative ideas so that caring is really completely embedded in our humanity is embedded in, in how we live and how we work. Mm. Um, and um, I guess um, I'll ask you, Kate, the same question, <laughs> what was your biggest event? Well, I'm sure there's um,
0: actually probably two things. And it's almost like I was thinking about this and it's almost like there's a series of a whole bunch of different things that I think really changed my life in smaller ways rather than maybe one or two because um, i have i haven't had a child so um i think if i did that would probably also be that big moment for me um but i actually think of two and uh the first is that uh yeah doing my phd because i almost feel like that's like a, a child like a, an idea baby but in doing that um there was a really transformative moment for me which was that i, I had been researching social media before it was called social media. Um, and and narrowing my PhD topic onto Facebook. And as I was doing that, I'd kind of gone in with this whole mentality of the way that the technology had been designed was by kind of like a bunch of anti-social computer nerds who didn't really understand how people interact. And that's why it was designed in a way that I found was not really good for humans. It was not really like the way that we wanted to interact. And so at the time, it was very much... um, I mean, we're used to this now, but at the time, this is like 2008. um, So Facebook was only four years old and it was just becoming a mainstream uh, thing that was being adopted. And as this was happening, it it started out um, as being a, a school, like it was at universities and colleges. And so people were using it in that context. And then slowly Facebook opened it up for everybody. And so as that shift was happening, you had all these people who suddenly had information that was for that college context, university context opened up to the whole world. And so you're getting people, you know, fired for stuff that they put on social media, their landlords would kick them out, all sorts of stuff that people were having, being super shocked about. And this is just normal now. We've just, this is just part of everyday life. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, this is just because like Mark, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world don't actually understand um the way that people like regular people interact and have designed the software that way. And uh, so I had, and this is, you know, when you could still kind of do this was I went to, um, uh, I was at South by Southwest, which is this big technology conference in Austin, Texas, and Zuckerberg was there. I was speaking, doing a keynote, and I went to a Facebook event and had was able to actually go and talk to him. So I asked him about this, because I was feeling really curious about, you know, what you know, now that he's seeing that it's causing all of these problems for people, what academics at the time called context collapse, when your different contexts of your life merged together. And I said, well, now that you've seen all this, are you going to change the design of Facebook? And he's like, no, 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 no. And he told me that it was an intentional design because he believed that if you didn't, if you weren't the same in all contexts of your life, same in the way you are in at school and in, temple or church or with your family and with your friends and with your boyfriend and at work if you're not the same being the same you're pretending and it's fake so he he he's like no I believe that you're lying if you're not the same and so he and I I realized from this conversation that he had actually intentionally done everything it wasn't like being antisocial, like he didn't know it was very clearly intentional and so that completely changed my thinking about social media and the Internet and the way it had been designed. And my Ph.D. ended up being basically about how Zuckerberg and Facebook had intentionally used the platform to change the way that we think about privacy and sharing. And that just really was a huge moment for me. Um, And really now, the the longer term impact of that is that if we only have people who are thinking like that, which is a particular way of thinking, we have software that everybody has to use that doesn't really serve everybody, right? So, mm-hmm. you're Mark Zuckerberg, that serves your goal, that you believe you have these certain beliefs about the world. Most people don't think about the world that way. They like their privacy. For women, for example, there's a number of reasons to have privacy and why privacy is important for our safety. So, that just really shaped my thinking in that way. Um, and yeah, it really changed my, 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 my research. Um, and then the second thing, this is a bit of a smaller thing, but um so this is how you and I met it was basically uh where we, so I live in Perth in Fremantle well in Fremantle near Perth in western Australia and then you live in Sydney on the other side of Australia and we met when you were living here um and it was because they were trying to build a freeway through a wetland like an endangered wetland with endangered animals and flora and fauna that are really like critically endangered and important um And so we both had decided independently, this is before we met, but, you know, we were going to go there and and, and protest against it. So I had started a pop-up co-working space in the wetland that you could go to to go and do your work, you know, not be like, because you're being accused of being, you know, um, professional protesters and, you know, all this nonsense. So I was like, no, we're, you know, we're all serious people with jobs who have, you know. yeah Yeah, we're professionals who value plenty of lawyers and accountants exactly anyone all (laughs) the different members of society yeah 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 so that was how we met um from that but the for me we had so many people saying you're not gonna save the wetland don't worry don't waste your time there's nothing you can do and the best part of the the, the end of the story is that we actually did stop them from doing it yeah and for me it was like you know what you everybody has power to change the world if you really believe in something and if you put an effort into it when you don't have when you believe you don't have power that's when you don't have power and so just that in belief in yeah you can actually make a difference if you really believe it and even if you don't make a difference at least you tried you did your best but we all have the power to change it and if we all remember that think about how different the world could be so it's kind of like these two stories that have like really shaped my thinking Um, but also I think are really important for like what we're thinking about right now as, as we're imagining this new future. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: also, do do you see a big role of, um, AR, VR, given you're a real expert in this and industry leader in this space, um, in this
0: future? Yeah, that's, and that's interesting because Facebook does own one of the big VR companies. And so it's kind of, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's an interest. It's interesting, but, um. I have been talking about that idea of, um, cause I'm like you, I'm kind of an early adopter of the future of work and the new future of work. Um, you know, that flexible work, working from home, working from anywhere. And what I had seen when the second wave, cause we had VR in the nineties was, it didn't really catch on cause it wasn't really good enough. But we're in the second wave of VR now when it first started, the first, first new headset started to come out, um, what I'd started predicting was that we were going to actually VR was going to enable us to really work from anywhere, but enable that collaboration in a way that we couldn't before, because you know Skype is great, Zoom is great, but you don't have those same kind of serendipitous um, interactions. So yeah. um, right now I'm actually doing some work with um, a tech company here uh, called Frame VR, and we're doing um, creating VR spaces, basically VR venues for events where delegates can come with headsets and have that experience where they'll actually get to be physically, well, in VR, but virtually physically present. Um, And then they can have a breakout, like a networking event that's actually, you can move around, you can talk to people. And so that ability to actually connect with people around the world and not have to travel, which is great for, you know, helping climate change. Um, Yeah, VR is really, really, I think this, this, what's happening now, is accelerating that adoption. So I think this is going to happen a lot sooner and, and there's already demand for these VR events. And yeah, I think you were you're saying today that, was it um, one of the big, te- the telcos here, Optus is already saying that? Yes, that, yeah, they're basically
1: saying that um, um, this is one of the largest telcos in Australia, Optus. Um, yeah, they're saying that um, they expect, many of their staff to be working remotely from now on, even after the coronavirus finishes, that this is a permanent change.
0: Yeah. So I think that that speaks to, um, yeah, the the move towards being more open to different and accelerating that adoption of new technologies to enable it. Because again, Zoom is, Zoom is great, but it doesn't allow for the same kind of stuff. And then um, a, VR are, are, is one thing, but then there's also AR augmented reality and mixed reality which are very similar I won't get into like the nitty-gritty of the the differences between them but the HoloLens which is Microsoft's it's augmented reality so the idea of overlaying digital into the real um, that has a lot of really great applications for people being able to work together on things because it means like um, instead of being somewhere else entirely in VR together like in a virtual environment I can actually put on the headset and you can point to things and and remotely so it allows for um you to go and for example inspect things virtually but it allows that mixing of the real and the virtual so I think almost like it's it's not as developed as VR but that I think is going to be the bigger application because it just allows for that kind of um almost like being there and being able to manipulate um spaces when you're from from the other side of the planet so Kind of exciting. <laughs> it is exciting. And do, do you think also
1: AR or VR will actually merge with our, with the humans somehow, with our, <laughs> with our day to day life?
0: Oh, that, that's, you I see, mean, that's yeah, that's getting of- into that whole transhumanism thing. And as much as I love technology, I am still like, I, I'm not into, uh, being a cyborg or being a transhumanist, I'm not. I don't really want implants. I like being human the way that I am. I like to be able to mm-hmm. um, use technology and then p- take it off and put it away and go, you know, for a walk in nature. And I think that's so important for being human. So, yeah, I, uh, I a lot of people are into that. I, um, I don't. I'm not a really big fan of that. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of like a. Um, an interesting, an interesting futurist in that I love technology, but also like I love being in nature and being human. So, yeah, same,
1: same here. I think <laughs> it, it can be. There is a place um, where I feel like if technology can help me with, say, with my health or something, but in a very kind of non-invasive way, if it could tell me you know that something could go wrong or i'm in a danger zone and i should do something about it like like that basically but i can switch it off if I yes want to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah so, something like that um but yeah quite interesting um and um i guess um i um i do did want to ask you how how you actually see um you know me, I I have very particular views about how I see the future of work. Um, I was wondering how you see, uh, what what does the work, typical workplace look like for you say in 10, 20
0: years time? Yeah, and I think we're probably pretty aligned with this, which is why we've Mm -hmm. we've had all these conversations (laughs) about it and thought it would be important to start sharing these conversations and opening that up to um, a wider audience, but also a wider group of people to have the conversations with. ideally i think it's the same as you as i would really like to see it be um something that is redesigned to work for everybody because right now as you say it kind of if you're young and healthy and um you don't have kids you don't have people you have to take care of you don't have health issues um maybe you don't have um if you're you know you don't have a disability um it works for you but any of those other things it starts to make it difficult and um being able to make it work, but also not necessarily. I think the other thing that I'm really liking now is that people are seeing how, how much joy you can get in simplicity and how much joy you can get in rewards other than your career. So, you know, spending time with your family and spending time with your friends and you don't actually need a lot to be happy. And I think we've been very distracted. So it's, it's kind of enabling, like, how do we uh, allow people to, um, be creative and entrepreneurial and still have those important things in life. So yeah, the, the revaluing the importance of caring. And, um, another thing I think we want to talk about in a future episode is that idea of the, um, universal basic income, right? A Allo- that. And I think that allows for that to happen. And there's talk now of that being brought in, which is basically everybody gets a minimum income that they can live on. And then if they want to have more material, um, goods in their life then they can work and make more money on top of that but it's like a standard that everybody gets no matter what and uh the early research on that shows that it definitely encourages people to be entrepreneurial and creative and do things um and care rather than just you know being focused on the career so I think yeah that's a very kind of broad broad kind of um vision but I think yeah we're very aligned in that and I think a lot of people are feeling that, right? It's like going to be hard to go back to working like crazy, like the way we were before. Everybody's kind of gotten used to this new pace, broken the habit loop. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I feel like, um, I mean, in general, from a, a neuroscience perspective, I guess, although I'm not a neuroscientist, but from all the research that I've done, <laughs> um, it seems that you're, you're most capable of um, producing innovative ideas and just thinking well, thinking logically, thinking creatively, when you are not scared. So if you're really scared or angry or one of those intense emotions, you can't actually think properly. So I guess that whole idea of universal basic income obviously needs some thought around how how to make it work. But ultimately, we as humans will work better if we're not really scared. So if we feel safe and secure, But yeah, there's that whole science around motivation, what motivates, why some people are motivated, why some others are not. But yeah, I do feel that, um, we're all better off as a society and we're safer as a society if people have at least a minimum basic, um, Mm. wage. And, um, then that kind of, uh, makes the whole, uh, the whole place much better. And, um, yeah, there's, um,
0: because I think you'd also talked about how um, there there's research also, this isn't just about like, because I think when we talk about flexibility in the workplace, um, for women, it's often just like with the women, women that we think about, but you've looked at also in your research around how it's really important for bringing up healthy kids um, and the future of society. So this isn't, this is like a very long-term game that's actually important for everybody and also men probably want to be spending more time with their kids and having more sanity in their lives as well. So it's, this is really, uh, for everybody. Exactly.
1: And uh, yeah, it's, it's not just even kids. I mean, the way I personally see um, the future workplace, um, is, um, we, I, I feel like we will, we will be, um, almost merging our home life with our, um, work life. Um, We, and technology certainly will be helping with all of that. But ultimately we as humans were a social species. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure whether the whole current suburbia situation will keep happening. I feel like we might have these mini Silicon Valley type areas, maybe regional areas, um, all around the country. Um, like mini hubs where people uh, live uh, close to work or maybe work is actually, it's more a community-based thing. Maybe we'll have more of these co-working spaces where everyone can come and they might be even attached to the school and the, the aged care home. Uh, that's just some of the ideas out there. I'm sure many people have many ideas about this, but I really feel like we will... Um, our, our normal life will merge with with our work life, um, and all the technology that's coming out is really helping make it happen. So it's actually actually the change is not so much in technology as it is more around infrastructure. Mm. So because the biggest impact here is for our infrastructure, for our real estate. So and now with the coronavirus, everyone can see many large companies are looking at their expensive real estate and thinking, well, do we really need to be taking out these um, five, ten-year leases, paying millions when uh, we could have a huge percentage of our workforce working remotely? Mm. What does that mean for us as a business? So I really see big shifts, big changes coming, but like with anything to do with infrastructure and real estate, this takes many, many years for this to happen. Um, because of all the planning approvals and so on and there's obviously large um, investments but um, from what i can see many councils many regional councils in australia do want to bring in the the high-tech jobs the innovation the research the r d into their regional areas and um, um, i just don't see why we should be living in these large big cities um, and just bringing up all the the real estate prices when um and traffic when, yeah and, and traffic times. and so on yeah and really spending hours uh every day in traffic in the car um or in public transfer when we could actually be all uh, living in regional areas yeah and spending more
0: time with our families because we're not having to commute two hours a day
1: (laughs) yeah exactly and just enjoying nature much more um and exactly and um it it, it'll have uh, i think tremendous environmental benefits as well because you know if people have a lot less to drive if everything is close if your workplace where your children are where your parents are if that's all close by nearby um Uh, to where you live and where you work. I mean, the the environmental benefits coming out of that are huge, Mm. but also the social benefits are huge. Um, And I think, um, yeah, if if we're moving into these high-tech jobs, um, the economy can really prosper, but with um, um, a much better lifestyle for all the residents Mm. of the country.
0: And so it's, it's almost like we're using digital technology to help us be more human again. Yes, yeah. exactly, and yeah. I think VR will have a huge. My personal view is VR will have a huge
1: um, role to play in this mm. as well.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, so I because I, think... I guess yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying that I guess the biggest criticism to having remote workforce was this um, issue of not being able to interact just spontaneously and just not being able to grab someone. Next to you and just have a quick chat. So I guess any technology that can help resolve that mm. that would be helpful.
0: Mm, the serendipitous conversation. Yes. Yeah. So I think I think that's a really great um, place to wrap because we've kind of given everybody a taste of the kinds of things we're going to talk about. Um, and I think mm. it's also important to mention too. I think we didn't say this in the intro, but um, because you do a lot of work as a CFO now, um, you're seeing you're kind of at the the coal face and seeing what companies are experiencing and, and talking about. So you're kind of getting all this really juicy data that can help us. conversation. We should have mentioned that at the beginning, but yeah. yeah. So you have this really yeah. um, good insight into what companies are thinking uh-huh. about right now. Um, that is really, really insightful. Yeah. So yeah. So uh-huh. stay tuned for future episodes. <laughs> <Yes>. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay. Thanks Kate. Thanks Kate. Okay. <laughs> and thanks everybody for listening to this first ever episode of the new future podcast.